There are very few things that investors can do that are free. But what about a podcast that delivers educational content on investing, saving strategies, financial planning, topical items of interest, and maybe even the odd wacky topic? Welcome to Free Lunch. Hosted by Greg Kremitsky and Colin Andrews of the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy, Free Lunch will bring listeners the firm's vast knowledge and experience in dealing with uncertainty to help clients achieve their vision through a deep understanding of what is important to them that requires planning, money, and time. Learn more and subscribe today at markets-work.com. Welcome back to the Free Lunch Podcast with Greg and Colin. Greg, here we are for episode 100 and something. Unbelievable. Yeah. I actually don't know what number we're on right now. That's why I don't believe it. Yeah. 140 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, last week we had Jamie Gollum back on. Jamie works in the tax and estate planning division of CIBC, and he talked to us about taxes. Yep. That was an interesting discussion. He's such a knowledgeable guy. You always learn something when you talk to him. Yeah, that home buyer's savings account. Is that what it's called? Yes. That is quite a game changer. It is. That he talked about. So I'd recommend people go back and listen to that one. Yep. But as we've often talked about, there's only two things that are a certainty in life, Greg. Yep. What would those be? Death and taxes. So we already covered taxes. So today, I guess we're covering death. Okay. Right. Well, sounds kind of morbid, but it's got to be done. Yep. But before we get into that part of the show, I wanted to give a shout out to a person I know. He is a student at the University of Alberta studying finance. Right on. And years ago, like years ago, I coached this guy in hockey. He played hockey with my son. And his name's Evan. And the reason I'm calling out Evan is that Evan approached me one day and told me how much he liked our podcast. That was very nice of him. Very nice. And I said to him, well, how would you even know about it? Like, where did you even find out about this, right? Yep. And it was just somebody else in the neighborhood that he was associated with that told him that this was a good thing to listen to, to learn about finance uh, in general. And it was kind of neat to get that feedback from a current university student. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you never really know who's listening to the show. We don't assume that it's a lot of young people out there listening, but I'm glad there are. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, whatever age you're at, if you take away anything from the show, then we've won, right? Absolutely. We've done our job. Yep. But today we're going to start a little differently. We're going to get into some market data or data. Either one. <laughs> and just because it's topical, because we're coming off of 2022, which was a bear market in the US for sure. Yep. So if we look at where returns were for 2022, Canada finished the year, that would be the TSX composite. Yes. Finished the year down almost 9%, negative 8.7%. Which actually isn't as bad as it felt. No, because that's the end of the year too. Yes, right? exactly. So back in, uh, I don't know, June, yep. it probably was deeper than that. That's right? right. That's right. I think at its lowest point, it was near 20% lower than its peak. Yeah. But of course, it, it had some time to recover and it didn't actually hit the peak, I think, until the middle of the year, like in April or May or something. Right, right. And in the US, the S&P 500 closed the year down 19.4%. Which we would consider a bad year. A very bad year. But back in the summer, it was down somewhere around closer to 30%. Right? That's right. So quite a difference. Well, actually, here's a bigger one, Greg. The NASDAQ. The NASDAQ is primarily IT or tech companies. Yep. And it finished the year down 33%. Yeah. That's yeah. a larger sellout. Those numbers speak for themselves, right? They do. That's a very bad year. But that was like one year. So we often counsel people, you can't really gauge markets based off of one year, right? right? I mean, anything can happen in a year. 
So if we look at the 10-year number, which is much different, the S&P TSX composite actually annualized at 4.5% per year for 10 years. Yep. Well, that's a significantly better number. It is. And the S&P 500, which most people actually, when they talk about the market, they actually talk about the S&P 500. That's right. right. That's considered the benchmark for U.S. stocks, even yeah. though it is, in fact, kind of a large cap market, but there's 500 names there. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, the annual number for 10 years is 10.4%. Yep. And that includes this last year. Yeah. And the NASDAQ, which I mentioned was down 33% for 2022, over the last 10 years, has actually returned, including last year, 13.2% per year. Yep. So those are significantly different numbers. Well, they are. They are. And they include, when you look at the last 10 years, I mean, they include some pretty spectacular years, like in 2020 and 2021, happened to be pretty spectacular for NASDAQ stocks, much like 1998 and 1999 were for NASDAQ stocks as well. Well, hindsight was 2020 and hindsight was 2022. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) They say hindsight is 2022. Interesting. But yeah, and I think it it highlights the importance of taking that long-term view. Because when you think about it, coming off 2022, which was, as you've pointed out, not a great year in any one area, including bonds, by the way. Canadian Mm -hmm. bonds were down, I believe, 11.5%. So in Canada, bonds performed worse than stocks which is not what you expect to see. No kidding. But but here we are. January is now in the bag and talk about a reversal. Yeah, let's get into those numbers. You got them in front of you, don't you? I do. So as of the end of the year, we talked about the S&P TSX composite index, which was down, I think you said uh, 9.7, something like that last year. And this year, January alone, the S&P TSX composite was up 6.9%. So talk about a reversal. Now, again, though, we're only talking about one month of data, right? Right. But it does highlight the point. Well, and it it highlights the, um, the point that we've made quite a bit in the past, and that is that you can't look at past results and assume that they're going to be repeated in the future. And it's also uh, a point we've talked about a lot, and that's what the whole market timing discussion. Mm-hmm. Because right now, there's a lot of talk about well, is the U.S. or is Canada, are we going into a global recession in 2023? And when will central banks stop raising interest rates? And where are earnings going to fall out? And there's a good chance of a recession, et cetera. And for anybody that had kind of those feelings coming out of 2022, you know, you might have missed a 6.9% recovery in the Canadian market in just January. Yeah. Likewise, the S&P 500 in U.S. dollar terms was up 6%. The NASDAQ was up 10.6% in January alone. So after a negative 33% year last year, up 10.6% in one month. Yeah. So being out of the market for any length of time certainly can result in just missing out and not being able to, you stayed there, you were there for the pain and you, you weren't around for the pleasure. Yeah. So it just highlights the importance of not trying to time the markets. Yeah. Greg, are, are we recommending that people do market timing? We absolutely are not recommending that. Well, no, that's one of the dumbest things you can do, to be quite frank, because as you say, like if you sold out at the end of last year and you didn't get back in, you missed out on 10% in the NASDAQ in the first month. That's right. And even when you talk about bonds, you know, bonds arguably had the worst year possibly on record mm-hmm. in terms of their drawdown, down 11.5% for Canadian bonds is a pretty bad bond market. I think the Canadian bond market has only been down three or four times in the last 40 to 50 years. That's right. right? That's right. Very rare event. 
Yeah. Even more rare for them to be down at the same time that stocks are down. But here we are in the first month of the year, Canadian bonds are up 2.7%, U.S. bonds are up 3%. Yeah. And that's one month. That's what we used to consider a good year in bonds. And and we've now had that in one month. And so, again, as we've talked many times before, you can't time the markets and you just want to be invested, have an asset allocation strategy that works for you and rebalance Yeah, and uh, go from there. The other thing that we talked about, though, and we've talked about this in the past, is market forecasts. And one of the things that we look at are forecasts for inflation mm-hmm. for the consumer price index. And I think you've got some interesting numbers with regards to inflation, because that's certainly been a hot topic over the last year. For sure. Well, because the bond market is down because of interest rate hikes that have occurred in the last 12 months. Exactly. That's a direct inverse relationship. Yep. And so a lot of people are questioning, well, why have these interest rate hikes been happening and at why at such a rapid pace, right? Yep. And it is all because of inflation. And the central banks are trying to bring down inflation. And in order to do that, they need to slow down spending. In order to slow down spending, they need to increase the cost of spending. Yes. Right? So that people will spend less. Yep. Which will ultimately bring down prices. And so those inflation numbers in Canada closed out the year of 2022 at 6.8%. And that historically has been 2% or less. That's right. right? Yep. And in the US- That's a big number. That's a big number. Yep. Which is why we had all those interest rate hikes, right? To try to bring the number down. In the US, the year closed out at 8%. Yeah. Wow. That's an even bigger number, by the way. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but but interestingly enough, I would argue they're actually the same number, Greg. How so? Well, because Canada and US inflation is calculated slightly differently. Okay. It's the same, but different. They both use a basket of goods and they call it the consumer price index. Yep. And both in Canada and the US, there are similar items in the baskets, yep. right? Like food, shelter, transportation, healthcare, alcohol use, et cetera. Yep. But there are slight differences. The US includes some things that Canada doesn't. You've pointed out in the past, used auto sales yep. are part of the US's consumer price index basket of goods, but they're not part of Canada's. That's right. right. Yeah. So there's some slight differences there. There's also a difference in how they are calculated because they use different formulas where they weight the prices of goods differently. Mm-hmm. So even if they had the same goods in their baskets, if they're weighting the food different than food, yes. right, Canada to US, yep. they're going to come up with a different number, yep. right? Yep. So that's why I would argue that 8% and that 6.8% are actually the same number. Right, right, right? on, yeah. But that is why interest rate hikes have been happening, to bring down that number. And what's forecasted anyways by, we just talked about the futility of forecasting, and yes. I'm just going to give you the forecast now. Yes. But this is from CIBC World Markets. For 2023, the forecast is that consumer price index will be around 2.9%, both in Canada and the U.S. Interesting. And I'm not, listen, uh, these guys spend a lot of time studying this stuff, and I wouldn't say they're right or wrong at this point. I'd say it's a forecast, and, and we've talked about macro forecasting and some of the difficulties around that. But yeah. one of the things you'd have to look at is, well, what would have to happen in order for the annual inflation rate in Canada and the U.S. to be 2.9 when it's starting at 8 or 6.5 in the case of Canada? And I think it would take a pretty dramatic drop in inflation and inflation expectations in order to finish the year at at that level. So, I mean, I hope it happens. Mm -hmm. I'd be delighted if it happened because it would mean that things were back on track. And and the the only other thing I want to mention that I think sometimes we don't think of is that when we talk about inflation, we're talking about a rate, not a level. So the rate of inflation, we talk about, oh, well, you know, it was 8% in the U.S., meaning that 
today goods are 8% more expensive than they were a year ago. But let's say inflation goes down to 3% next year. So in Mm -hmm. two years, goods are going to be 8% plus 3% more expensive than they were two years ago. And so when people think inflation is coming down, it doesn't mean the cost of goods are coming down. It just means that the rate of increase in the cost of goods is slowing down. So we're all going to be very happy when inflation comes down, but we're still going to be stuck with higher prices for a long, long time. And I think that's just one of those things that people need to think about because inflation coming down doesn't mean things getting cheaper. It just means things not getting expensive, more expensive as quickly as they have been. Yeah, but I would argue for all those people that socked away all that money into uh, five-year GICs because they're able to get a 5% rate or at the time, watch out because you're stuck in that five-year GIC for five years. Yep. And as you say, inflation isn't going to go away. No. It just slows. That's right. And you will lose purchasing power if you're in uh, fixed term, things like yep, that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So there you have it. That's a little bit of a market update. And I think uh, it's important for people, as you know, we don't make predictions about the market, but no, we do. But it's good we to- do. You, you make a prediction all the time. What do I say? You say the market is going to go up unless it goes down or stays the same. Right. Yeah. And I, and I firmly believe that. <laughs> but I think it's important to know what's going on in the world. And mm-hmm. uh, when we see these changes, and sometimes we talk about things like what happened in January after last year, is there's some good news. And we'd have no idea whether these gains that we've had in January are going to stick. If you believe the Trader's Almanac, mm-hmm. or Almanac, there's this thing called the January effect. And which the Al- Trader's Almanac, they say that how goes January, so goes the year. So there are many people that believe the year will be positive because January was positive. Mm-hmm. I say, well, remains to be seen. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I'm pretty bullish for the future. Yep. I'm going to leave that determination of what future definition means. Okay. But I'm pretty bullish for the future because interest rate hikes are slowing down, right? Yes. Inflation numbers are trending down. Yes. The stock market is showing signs of recovery. Check. And bonds have to recover. They do. Because they're just loans that mature, right? So I'm pretty bullish from here, Greg. That's just me going out on a limb. Well, good for you. I mean, everyone likes to approach life positively. Well, let's talk about something not so positive about life. We're going to get into death here for a few minutes. Yeah. Quite quite a segue, hey? Yeah, good good segue for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And this is just something we've been talking about because it's something that we've become aware of, or I've become more aware of over the last year or so. And that is that something that we used to be called assisted suicide and is now called MAID, M-A-I-D, an acronym for medical assistance in dying, is now legal. Mm-hmm. And, and this is not news because uh, this has been in effect since 2016 in Canada. But it is something that you don't, thank goodness, we don't think about every day. But we've spent a lot of time talking about estate planning on this show. And estate planning is one of those things that we all do because we have no idea when that final day is for us. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, for some people who are suffering from terminal illnesses or something, that, that may not be the case. They may actually have the ability to know exactly when their last day is. Yeah. So I just thought maybe it would make sense just for people that aren't quite as aware of the story as I was not aware of the story. Maybe just spend a few minutes talking about what medical assistance in dying means in Canada and talk about some of the things that people can do and probably should do and will do if they're in that unfortunate situation. And we're going to segue that into some financial planning in a minute. That's right. Yeah. So let's just talk about the situation in Canada. So this all happened 
because of a Supreme Court ruling back in 2015 where the Supreme Court ruled that parts of the criminal code had to change to satisfy the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and that and the part that had to change was be the part that prohibited medical assistance in dying. And so that change was passed by the federal government back in 2016. Okay, and there's been changes since, and there's been some updates to the laws regarding medical assistance in dying. But let's just talk a little bit about what it actually is. Well, so medical assistance in dying allows physicians and nurse practitioners in some provinces to help people that are with terminal illnesses to die. And the other people who might be involved in the whole process would be pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, family members that you might ask to help, and other healthcare providers. And so there's a, a process that's been established for how all of those people can be involved in this without being charged under the criminal code. This goes back to Dr. Kevorkian days, right? Right? Wasn't that the guy in mm-hmm. the U.S.? Yep. Didn't they call him Dr. Death? Yes, that's right. Right? Because he was providing medically assisted suicide before it was legal. That's right. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, so that's why these changes have come into play, right? Because that's, that's right. people have realized that maybe there's a better way of helping somebody in a painful terminal case deal with things. Exactly. And I think it is something that is uh, becoming a worldwide phenomenon. There are many European countries where this process has been allowed for years. And again, things are certainly changing in Canada. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's important to note that not everybody believes in medically assisted dying when there are people that have, might have specific uh, religious or other beliefs that would have them not wanting to participate in that. And, and the law allows for that. Nobody is forced to participate in that process. And we're not making any judgment or, or statement about whether or not we have personal beliefs for or against. You know, at this point, we're just passing on information. Yeah. But people, yeah, we, we're definitely not recommending Yay or nay. Absolutely. Right? We're just providing. It's, it's important to know of its availability. Yeah. Okay. So there's two types of medical assistance in dying in Canada, and uh, both of them include a physician or a nurse practitioner who would either directly administer a substance or a drug that would cause death, or they might provide or prescribe a drug that an eligible person would take themselves in order to bring about their own death. And so those are the two ways that medical practitioners would be involved. So the question is, well, who's eligible to actually have medical assistance in dying? Like you can't just wake up today and say, this is what I'm doing. You cannot. Right. Yeah. You cannot. So in order to be eligible, you have to meet certain criteria. You have to be living in Canada. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. You have to be 18 years old and mentally competent, which means being capable of making healthcare decisions for yourself you have to have a grievous or irremediable medical condition, which is obviously the reason why many people would think of this. Mm -hmm. You have to make a voluntary request for MAID that's not the result of any kind of outside pressure or influence, and you have to be able to give informed consent. So key thing, what's the grievous, irremediable medical condition? So you have to have a serious illness, disease, or disability Currently excluding a mental illness, but that's going to change, and we can just talk briefly about that in a minute. That changes in like a month. That's right. Yeah. You have to be in an advanced state of decline that cannot be reversed. You have to experience unbearable physical or mental suffering from your illness, disease, disability, or state of decline that cannot be relieved under conditions that you consider acceptable. But importantly, you do not need to have a fatal or terminal condition to be eligible for MAID. Hmm. Okay. Now, just to talk briefly, so under the current law, which expires in March, you're not eligible if your only medical condition is a mental illness, 
that's changing. And after March 17th, then the people with a mental illness as their sole underlying medical condition will have access to MAID if they meet all the other eligibility requirements. And the practitioners are fulfilling a number of safeguards that are put in place for that particular group of people. Hmm. So it raises a lot of questions and it makes you think actually quite a bit about the implications of that. Yeah, for sure. Well, why are we talking about this today? Well, the reason is that we both have had somebody fairly close to us use MAID services. That's right. And just in the last few months. That's right. For terminal reasons, right? Exactly. These people made a decision that they didn't want to suffer. That's right. And that was their decision to make. Yeah. Right? And so again, we're not saying it's a right or wrong decision for anybody individually. No, it's a, I would think, the most personal decision a person would make in their lifetime. The most final decision. That's right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and the other reason we're talking about this is sort of a friend of a friend has been diagnosed with a terminal cancer. Mm -hmm. And they were asking for some advice on what do they need to prepare for their family, right? Do you want to get into that now or do you want to finish this? Yeah, let me just take two more minutes just to talk about some of the safeguards because, you know, when when you think about getting medical assistance in dying, you think, well, there could be the potential for undue influence in this whole process. And so uh, a lot of the safeguards that are set up take care to deal with the possibility of, of undue influence. And so, first of all, any request for medical assistance it must be assessed by two independent practitioners, mm-hmm. okay? And the physician or nurse practitioner providing the original assessment and the one giving the second opinion must be independent, okay? So they can't be connected to each other. Neither of them can hold a position of authority over the other. Obviously, neither of them could knowingly benefit from your death. That's an obvious one. Mm-hmm. And neither can be connected to the other or to you in a way that could affect their objectivity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's obviously critical. And then in the, in the whole process, there absolutely has to be an independent witness who will confirm and sign and date the request by the person requesting made and that they understand what they're signing. And an independent witness can be any one of a number of people, but they cannot benefit from your death, obviously. They cannot be an owner or operator of a healthcare facility where you live or are receiving care, and they cannot be an unpaid caregiver. Hmm. And so there are safeguards around this process. And the final safeguard, of course, would be the ability at any time you can withdraw your request. So it's not a a decision that's final once you've requested it. And you do have to give final consent. You do. You do have to be lucid. Yes. And willing and able to answer the question when the time comes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So again, not the happiest of discussions, but I think it's important for people to be aware of these because sadly... All of us at some point are going to be touched by someone who's suffering from a terminal disease. Everybody's got a cancer story in their family or friend group, somebody close to them. In our family is my brother, but everybody's got one. Yep. And so, as I said earlier, we do have a sort of a friend of a friend who's dealing with this right now. Yep. And they were ill-prepared financially, not from like not having enough money, but ill-prepared with their preparation of financial documents. And so we've been... We've had somebody that's been working with them on that. Yeah. And so we just wanted to go through, what do you need to prepare for that final day, right? And I know we spent a lot of time on this last year. What was that episode we did, Greg, where we we used the book as reference? I'm dead, now what? I'm dead, now what? Which is a great book. If anybody's interested in getting a copy, let us know. We'll be happy to send you one. It's just a framework for you to work through what's required. That's right. 
So what are some of the things that people need to gather, Greg? Well, I think the first thing is getting together important documentation. So things like birth certificates, social insurance, cards or numbers, passports, financial statements, insurance policies, mortgage documents if they're around, any other legal documents. So gathering that all together in one place, because remember, it's who's left behind who has to deal with all of this uh, with regards to executing the will, if there's a will, hopefully, and things like that. So having the, the documents gathered in one place properly labeled and identified is just going to help the executor and the beneficiaries as well. Sure. What's another one? This is one of the things we've talked about when we talk about there's three documents that always get prepared when when people are doing estate planning. The one is what we call the personal directive. It has different titles in different provinces, but the personal directive, also known as a living will, basically just outlines wishes for medical treatment in case you're not able to communicate them. Mm -hmm. Okay, and it would be things like do not resuscitate or other, other things like that, and certainly in the uh, framework of our discussion about medical assistance in dying, that probably wouldn't be an issue. But you need to make sure that those documents are properly executed. So if you're not able to make that final determination or the final consent, that your loved ones are able to you know, make sure that you get the right medical treatment. Well, as it is right now, you can't have medically assisted suicide as part of your personal directive. Right. Exactly. And I assume that will probably change at some point down yep. the road, but yep. that's the way it is now. For sure. Okay, so what are the other documents? Obviously, the will. We've talked about the will, which essentially sets out and identifies how you want your assets to be distributed after your death. And it also names the executor, the person responsible for making sure that that is executed properly. And obviously, it identifies all your beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the will, obviously, a key thing. From a financial standpoint, dealing with all of your assets uh, after your death. And the third document uh, is the power of attorney. Mm-hmm. And the power of attorney essentially is responsible for any financial decisions if you are unable to make those financial decisions or other decisions for yourself prior to your death. Yeah. And for anybody that doesn't have a will in place and they're wondering what they can do if they're waiting to see a lawyer or, or whatnot. You can just write out your will yes. with your own handwriting, Yep. sign it and date it, Yep. and it's been told to us that that probably will hold up in court. It's a holographic will, and, and if it's in your own handwriting, it absolutely is legal, and as an alternative to not having a will at all, it's much, much better yep. because yep. it lays out your wishes. And part of that whole process is uh, choosing or updating your beneficiaries Mm -hmm. because things change, and for many people, they updated their will and, and other documents five to 10 years ago, and things may have changed. Beneficiaries may have changed. Your executor actually may may need to be changed. Mm-hmm. And so clearly, if you were in a situation where you know that your death is coming up, then these would be things that you would want to do as quickly as possible. Yeah. And where we can help with some of that stuff or anybody's financial advisor for that matter, although they probably should be dealing with us, of course, right? is to make sure the designated beneficiaries are attached to each registered account. Yes. Because there there can be an issue there. If somebody doesn't designate a spouse as a beneficiary on an RSP or a RIF or a tax-free savings account, Yep. and they name the estate, they might end up paying some tax earlier than anticipated. That's right. Yeah, it's important to consider it. And, and of course, if time allows, 
then it would be important to make sure that those types of things are in order. Yeah. And just a couple more, one which, you know, nobody likes to think about, but thinking about your final arrangements. How do you want to be buried or do, would you want to be cremated? Green burials are becoming more popular where basically you're, you're using more eco-friendly methods mm-hmm. and materials, things like that. Uh, you know, so these kinds of things, final arrangements, if you want, you can have a say yeah. in how that's handled. Okay, and the last thing, which is, you know, which is, it's kind of like a modern uh, take, well, modern over the last 30 years, uh, <laughs> digital take on managing your documents is making sure that your digital assets are taken care of. And so for many of us, uh, you know, there's social media accounts, we've got online banking and financial accounts, investment accounts, email accounts, photos that might be stored online somewhere, and passwords usernames and passwords for all of these types of digital either assets or digital exposures are important for people to be able to access. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could do the face identification, but it'd be kind of awkward having to go down to the funeral home to access that. Yeah. It's a bad joke. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, bad joke. <laughs> that was a bad <laughs> Anyway, so really, it's one of those things that you include your, you know, your wishes for your funeral or memorial service, who should be notified of your death, etc., how to access financial and legal documents, and as we talked about, dealing with digital assets. So not the happiest of discussion, but one absolutely necessary, and we believe firmly in planning, yeah. and both financial and estate planning, we think, are, are two of the most critical elements you can address. We've had quite a roller coaster of uh, emotions on on this particular podcast. We started off with how markets sucked. Yes, have gotten better. Yep, the skies look brighter. Yep, sunnier days ahead. And then we finished the episode with death and dying. Yep, <laughs> yeah, quite a quite a range of things. That's life, isn't it? Uh, I got a song to wrap us up here, Greg. All right. Speaking of dying, this is a band that died a long time ago. Not really, but their right. popularity did. Yes. I don't know. You might know it. Anything? Anything? Well, let's see. Is it a Canadian group? Canadian band. Yeah, Canadian band. I saw them at the Centennial Auditorium in Saskatoon for a concert when I was in grade seven. Is it Honeymoon Suite? Nope. Is it, uh, oh, oh yeah. I know. I know them, but I cannot put. Their hair color is blonde. Aren't they all? <laughs> okay, it's Platinum Blonde. Platinum Blonde. Yeah, there we yeah, go. There's okay. Our, all our, right. Our, our tribute to uh, a band yeah. that sort of uh, yeah. died off a long time yeah, ago. They, yeah. <laughs> Visually, they would look a lot like Honeymoon Suite. <laughs> yeah. They, well, I mean, a lot of them back in that day looked kind of the same, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for today. You bet. Okay. So yeah. uh, I don't know what we're talking about next time, but I'm sure it's something super fascinating. Absolutely. Yeah. All, all right. right. We'll see you next time. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Free Lunch Podcast hosted by the CM Group at CIBC Wood Gundy. To subscribe to this podcast to get more realistic insight on investing or to connect with one of our talented partners, please head on over to markets-work.com. We'll see you next time on the Free Lunch Podcast. The CIBC logo and CIBC Private Wealth Management are registered trademarks of CIBC. If you are currently a CIBC Wood Gundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Private Wealth Management consists of services provided by CIBC and certain of its subsidiaries, including CIBC Wood Gundy, a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc. CIBC Private Wealth Management is a registered trademark of CIBC used under license. Wood Gundy is a registered trademark of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Colin Andrews and Greg Kraminski are investment advisors with CIBC Wood Gundy.
This information, including any opinion, is based on various sources believed to be reliable, but its accuracy cannot be guaranteed and is subject to change. CIBC and CIBC World Markets, Inc., their affiliates, directors, officers, and employees may buy, sell, or hold a position in securities of a company mentioned herein, its affiliates or subsidiaries, and may also perform financial advisory services, investment banking or other services for, or have lending or other credit relationships with the same. CIBC World Markets, Inc. and its representatives will receive sales commissions and or a spread between bid and ask prices if you purchase, sell, or hold the securities referred to above. CIBC World Markets, Inc., 2023.